Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Welcome, welcome, folks, to Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer and co-host, Chris Morales. Back at it again. Back at it again. No more covers to the, what did you say, Co- covers pulled up to the eyelids and thermometer out of the mouth? No, thermometer is hanging out the side of the mouth. You'll still have to excuse me. My, my voice is a little raspy from the coughing, but I'm here. I'm ready. All right, good. Excuses from the start, but that's all right. 646-564-9909. is the number. If you want to call in and speak to us, if you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our website, our show website, that is, blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. And if you don't have any other means to listen, you can always call in on the call-in line and listen via that method if you want. Sure. However you're calling in, pay phone, cell phone, <laughs> smartphone, whatever it is, we're here. Are there any pay phones anywhere in the United States anymore, you think? I've not seen one in recent memory, but I overheard someone um, at my school talking about how they actually saw one and for the fun of it used it the other day. I don't know what city it was in or where hmm. it was located. Interesting. It still took money, apparently. Okay. So, absolutely. goodness we need a sound clip for how about them injuries man <clears throat> talk about a team losing its key players and key positions it's a disgrace <laughs> it's a travesty but a test of a person or a team's character is not when things are going well it's when you're faced with adversity next man up next man up we'll see what happens they got to win one of the next three. 
at least. Yep. They got to yep. steal one from Atlanta or New Orleans because I don't think they're going to beat the uh, Patriots. Yeah, I think then, New Orleans is not looking very good. And then, then they go into the bye week to heal and, up. In fact, and I don't know if you heard, I'm sure you did, but Drew Brees is injured too, and he'll be out for an amount of weeks. Oh, no, I didn't hear that. He also hurt his shoulder on Sunday. So it'll be uh, the battle of backups when Dallas faces New Orleans. And they weren't doing that good with Breeze in there. So I'm mm-hmm. sure you could probably steal one from them. Okay, good stuff. Good to know. I didn't know that. I'll have to read up on that later on. Yeah, huh? Uh, my New York football giants. Oh, man. I wish I had a sound bite for that. I feel the pain of my uh, New York brethren. Uh, I see their writings online. I see the frustration leaking out through the handwriting. Yes. I can imagine. I'm just visualizing now. My eyes are closed. I'm visualizing the back pages of the New York Post and the Daily News calling for Tom Coughlin's head after two games. How could you blow back-to-back 10-point leads, et cetera, et cetera? Well, let me remind you, in Super Bowl year 2007, they did start 0-2. Super Bowl, Super Bowl year 2011, they were, I think they lost like five in a row at one point before they went on a winning streak at the end of the year to claim the division and beat the Cowboys in the last game of the season to decide who would win the division. Okay. And they won the division. Okay, yeah. So starting 0-2 is not a necessarily a, it's not a, bad omen. a bad omen of things to come. Just like starting 2-0 doesn't mean that you're going on to uh, have an undefeated season hoist or uh, hoist the trophy. <laughs> so Right, and actually, I don't know if you saw this on TV, ESPN, you know, they like to show the, the front page of certain media outlets across the country who are very into their sports, and you speak of your, your New York Giants, and sure enough, on the front page of the New York Times, a big picture of Eli Manning, they had replaced his football helmet with a dunce cap, and uh, of course, they got the perfect shot of Eli Manning when he was, he has this face, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, uh, lost kind of face. Mm-hmm. So they got the perfect shot of that, the dunce cap, and it had something to do with the clock management. And might have been a file photo that they, they just keep online because he's always had that uh, that, that look. It, that look. <laughs> yeah, so they're already mm-hmm. on him. They're already on him hard, riding riding one of the Manning brothers. And I'm sure uh, the Philly, the Philly folks, the folks up in Philly. Oh yeah, they're calling out. Aren't uh, feeling the love for Chip Kelly and the, they're calling out Chip for sure and the Eagles. He's 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 a a self. What do you call it? He calls himself a genius, but but other people don't call him a genius. Yeah, self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed genius. <laughs> How's yeah. that working out for you? Oh man, not so good out there in Philly. So good out there in Philly, poor folks. And then they got Pittsburgh uh, right next to them, and Pittsburgh's looking. They're looking good this year, even against New England Week One. They put up like 500 yards or something like mm-hmm. that. They're looking like they're going to be something to contend with. They just didn't punch it in the uh, in the end zone. Well, the kicker kind of cost them every, on that. The the two missed field goals or something like that. They they would have won the game, but now who did um, Pittsburgh just uh, just destroy and dismantle this past weekend? Hmm, they played yeah this past weekend. I um, 
I can't recall who they played, actually. Do we? Do we know the region the team is from? What part of the country? Are they, are they from the Midwest, East Coast? I want to say it was a West Coast team because I recall there being something about five days rest versus ten days and the traveling across the country. So I think it was a West Coast team. Okay. Do you know if they were from Southern California, Central California, Oregon, uh, Washington? I think if we were to look at the West Coast as a whole, somewhere in the middle. In the middle? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't want to say the name of the team, but we know it was the 49ers. I mean, Niners. Oh, yeah. No, it was – it was more than a beating. It was an obliteration. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, I, I believe, and I, I guess I can speak for myself as a 49er fan, what happened on Sunday was more of what I expected to see coming into the season than what had happened in week one mm-hmm. on Monday night against Minnesota mm-hmm. with all the departures and the changes and the coaching switches and the offensive line. and the, mm-hmm. That's more of what I expected to see, so week one kind of surprised me. And I think most of the analysts, as far as I can say, listening to them have got it right when they say they're not as good maybe as they showed in week one and perhaps not as bad as they showed in week two, who they really are is maybe somewhere in between those two. And and I can buy into that. Uh, A couple of birthday shout outs. A couple of birthday shout outs. We got, you have have some first. Go ahead. Yeah. I've got a couple one uh, today, the day of on the shout out, we have, a former staff member of Our Common Ground, formerly Daytop. Uh, he he is known to the inner circle as the Hillsborough Hobo. Mm-hmm. It is his, Affectionately. <laughs> it is his birthday today. <clears throat> Mr. Dross, if you're out there, uh, happy birthday to you, my friend. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, he's very close to the facility and a very good friend of mine as well, was the best man at my wedding, so we hope he's having a great time. We consider him a friend of the show, even though he has not called in. A friend of the show, yes. indeed. Um, oh, excuse me. And needless to say, and, and we have nothing to do with this, it's a law enforcement issue, there still is a uh, APB out on him, um, wanted for questioning yes. in, in regards to uh, – um, Stealing a staff member and 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 marrying her, <laughs> yes, uh, that's right. Without the permission of HR, that's right, exactly. So uh, uh, we do have the APB out, and maybe one day we'll catch up to him. And just just one just one for questioning a person of interest. That's it. Yeah, just a little questioning, nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have the second shout out, my brother in law Bernardo. Uh, his birthday is tomorrow, mm-hmm. so. Uh, those are the couple of birthday shout outs. How old does Bernardo turn, by the way? Oh, boy. I'm on the spot here. Let's see. So he'll be turning 37, okay. I believe. He'll be turning 37. He's my wife's oldest brother. Okay, he's on the downside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's my wife's oldest brother. And then she has another brother who is in the middle who is 35. And then I won't mention my wife's age on air because I think we're getting to that place where maybe. Uh, it's better not to be mentioned. I could get in trouble. When but uh, first, That place doesn't exist, so you, there's never a mention. Okay. All right. Well, perfect. Uh, and then she's the youngest. There's the three of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I believe he's turning 37. And uh, uh, the Hillsborough Hobo will be turning 31. Okay. He, um, 
I'm just eight months older than him. So mm-hmm. however old I turn in January, that's him in September. So. Okay. Happy uh, birthday to the both of them. Yeah, I got a couple of shout-outs. Okay. Uh, September birthdays are for our canine children. Ah, yes. Okay. Perfect. First on September 5th, the royal dog, uh, Bailey, the the Cavachon, the uh, nine and a half to ten pounder, depending on if you weigh him after he's just eaten. (laughs) The ten pound pit bull. Um, Turned five on September 5th. So in dog years, what are we, 35? Is that what we're looking at? I think so. Okay. I'm not sure where they came up with that calculation of seven to one, but if you we're going yeah. with we're going with that, yeah, he's thirty five. Okay. Uh and then the um the beast. The house protector. Uh Sheba, our Rhodesian Ridgeback, uh turned two yesterday. All right. So she's uh I think officially out of puppyhood. She's in her prime now. And now entering her uh her prime years. And for the Rhodesian Ridgeback, that will be from two to about seven. So she's got five solid ones. Five solid prime years. But I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, ring. Of course. At least uh, a good eight to ten prime years out of her, and then then let her coast, <laughs> coast down. Let her coast into her retirement. Coast, coast home. Okay. Um. Just in comparison to my first Rhodesian Ridgeback, which passed away on, on unexpectedly uh, in 2013, November, uh, of a rare heart problem, world of a difference. Hmm. In terms, I of, remember you telling me that. In terms of seeing how they both are in the same at the same age. Just the level of energy and the oh, responsiveness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like having a wild. Uh, donkey, donkey, gazelle, deer, antelope. Is it an antelope? Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever, all, all of those creatures. It's like having a wild one in the house. Okay. So she's full of energy. That's good. She's showing you what the Rhodesian was really supposed is to be. was supposed to be. Right. Yeah. We got fooled on the first go around. Yes. Um. So yeah, she turned two, and um, we're looking forward to. Some good good times with both of them. Good, absolutely. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to coax my wife into a third one, third dog, not a Rhodesian, just a third dog. Midsize. I think we've a mid- got the SUV. We uh, got the sports car. Now we need the midsize. Yeah, midsize. A midsize that can play with both. <laughs> okay. Has the ability to play to 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 go between both. You okay. know what I mean. Not too big for the small one and not too small for the big one. You know what I mean? So, so maybe like a bulldog, an English bulldog. I'm not – no. I'm – no. Okay. I'm not into that look. Yeah, nor am I, but I'm trying to think of the halfway – the halfway mm-hmm. is about their I don't their know, size. like a border collie type look. Oh, okay. Something, you know, something along those lines. Like Lassie. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, it definitely can't be a shedder because uh, – my wife's not having that. Anyway, the, the answer right now is a firm, outright, absolutely, absolute no. Okay. So it's about whether or not I can move it from the no to, you know, what was that? To yeah, then, there, there's to, a slight, slight possibility. 
Right now, there's no possibility. Right. I haven't. I, so right now, I'm back to square one with a different game plan of how I can move it off of that rock, that rock steady no to uh, maybe a question like, "What do you want another dog for?" Okay. And then there's a door open there, you know. <laughs> That's right. So. That's right. Okay. Perhaps the Waymaraner. Don't know if you've seen them, but they actually kind of look like Rhodesians, yes. but silver or yes. gray. I know they're what you're kind of mid-sized. Yep. Yep. So, all um, right. We'll keep us posted. Yes, I'll keep you get any movement out of the authority. Yes. Um. All right. Is everybody down? We called it. We called a house meeting. Everybody is down and on a monad. Okay. That's a California word. Maybe you want to tell our audience what that means. Yeah, okay. Well, I hope I don't make myself look foolish here, but I believe the term used out here in California actually was a military term. I've heard this through the grapevine, but mm-hmm. anyway, a monad is basically like being at attention. So if you're down in your seat, you're sitting up straight, your hands are on the top, uh, the palms of your hands are on the tops of your thighs, mm-hmm. you're looking forward. At the end philosophies. Yeah, and you just... Uh, silent, paying attention, completely zoning into what's about to take place. Exactly. So everybody's down? Everybody's down. Okay. All right. So the last time I called a house meeting on air was uh, early February. Okay. Yep. And usually, and, and this just happened, I, we, I was not planning on doing this particular show today. I was planning on continuing our theme of the unwritten philosophies okay, um, and moving into the unwritten philosophies that tie into the second trimester of treatment. Okay. So hopefully nothing will happen between now and next Tuesday, and that will be our show for next <laughs> Tuesday. All right. But as is the way in the TC, things happen that, you know, cause you to uh, do something different. And some things happened, and uh, I said, no, you know, we got to do a house meeting and uh, and talk about it. Or I need to talk about it for my own therapy, maybe. Okay, sure, let it out. Um, I think when we, did, when we had a house meeting back in February, we touched on some of the things we're going to talk about today and some new things. We touched on, I think what triggered me last time was about this sense of entitlement that residents' clients were displaying. You know, like something was owed to them. I'm owed this treatment slot. I'm owed this opportunity. Right. And uh, so I had to call them out on that. Not only on here, on air, but in person. Okay. And, you know, today, it's, again, a sense of entitlement, but even there's other things. There's, um, as I wrote in the show description, there's a, a lack of seriousness. Mm-hmm. Um, the nerve to uh, to make demands on your treatment, meaning I'm going to... I'm going to say what recovery is going to be about because I'm the expert. I'm the I'm I'm the expert. Right? Even though there's no such thing as an expert, we're all learning, we're always learning, but 
you who are just entering the the womb of recovery. All right. Uh just been fertilized <laughs> into recovery as uh Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. Are you is that about before your time? That is well before my time, sir. I've never heard of such a thing. Oh. What okay. restaurant is that? <laughs> Well, for those of you who are in that age category who remembers Hogan's Heroes and Sergeant Schultz, who would say, I know nothing. Okay. Uh, they know nothing, yet they act like they're experts when they walk in the door. So that just grates against me. Um, the physical environment is not up to where it, it should be. Um, and again, as I wrote in the description, instead of having a Hope House, and that's actually the name of a program locally, Hope sure House, is. Uh, you know, it looks and it looks, it can look and then start to behave like a dope house. Now, we used to always throw around the term in treatment and staff about, you know, the place looking like a crack house. And the interesting, the irony is that I've actually never seen a crack house. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's always been an imaginary thing sure. for me, what it might look like. Other than on TV. I've seen them in, on TV shows when they try to pick crack houses. But um, So one of the things I'm going to start out with, why don't we start out with this. I'm going to read something and then tell you who the author is in terms of starting with what they believe I agree and has always been taught in the TC and is the single most important aspect of where things start with the recovery process. And what makes this so interesting is that it doesn't just apply to being in a treatment program. It's no matter where your physical environment may be. And I think it even applies outside of the treatment world. Any place that there's a physical environment, when I finish reading it, I think you'll understand or you can mm -hmm. comment mm -hmm. that this line of thinking applies to whether or not there's going to be success or not okay. based on the condition of the physical environment. So let me read just an excerpt to it. The first part is called the premise. Okay. Okay. In order to foster recovery, self-worth, and full responsibility for one's life. We always contend that the physical surroundings must glisten, great word, must glisten with the hope and pride that is central to the task of rebuilding human lives. A slovenly environment encourages mediocrity. A smartly maintained environment inspires perfection and striving. In so many ways, the condition of the environment speaks eloquently of the quality of what goes on there. And this brings up something my wife always says, which I'll talk about later. When there is a breakdown in the maintenance, 
then the mindset of living in the environment or being in the environment that you're in sets in with the shirking of housekeeping and house maintenance responsibilities and overall reduction of the therapeutic output and marked deterioration of the physical environment and as a result, poor outcomes. Okay. So there needs to be a contract. So now we speak to the contract. Sure. Rising from the strong belief that clinical progress, and we can then for outside of treatment just say progress. Okay. Yeah. So progress is intimately entwined with the well-being of the physical environment. Okay. The person in charge must educate those in the environment about the importance of the physical environment being maintained. An assault on the attractiveness of the physical surroundings or a failure to contribute to the enhancement of the physical environment represents a grave therapeutic breakdown be dealt with seriously. This is the definition of what we call, in the treatment realm, the basics. This means before and more important to anything else, the client, the rooms, the the common areas, the entire physical environment, including the grounds, must always be P and Q. And what that means is in a state of pride and quality. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the excerpt. Can you guess the author? Can I guess the author? Okay. Uh, Monsignor O'Brien. You are correct. All right. Brownie points. This is a partial excerpt from a letter that he wrote to the Executive Council. Okay. Of Daytop. Okay. Speaking to basically saying that in order for there to be clinical progress, I'm just surmising. Mm -hmm. So in order for me as a client to progress clinically, I need to be doing that in a environment that glistens with cleanliness. He was very big on that. Not glistens with grease that's fallen on the kitchen floor that hasn't been mopped correctly. Exactly. We have to be better than McDonald's. Can we get a swoop and mop, please? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, growing up in the treatment realm, when I say growing up, that was ingrained in me about the physical environment precedent over everything else. Meaning that we can't we can't do anything unless everything is tight. Right. We can't hold a group in a dirty room. We can't eat in a dirty dining room. Right. We can't prepare food in a dirty kitchen. You know things of that nature. 
and we can't sleep in a dirty room. Things, you know, you name it. Yeah. And then staff, as role models, can't conduct their business affairs, administrative affairs, in a sloppy and, and as, as he wrote, slovenly kept, uh, you know, office or uh, staff in the room, et right. cetera. So that's, you know, a little bit of what's uh, annoying me this week. Um, I don't think the uh, residents and clients have uh, internalized to the extent that they should the importance of maintaining a uh, clean environment and how it doesn't just apply to the treatment environment. True. If your environment, wherever it is, in your office, in your home, and for the clients when you move out on your own, etc., is slovenly kept. Great word, by the way. It emphasizes the point yes. pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> it captures it from all angles. Right. Uh, no other words need to be added. Slovenly kept. It even sounds yeah, shameful. It sounds even, shameful. It's even got the right amount of syllables where you can stress that first syllable to yes. add emphasis. Yes, it's it's almost shaming you as it's saying it. Yes. Um, it's shaming you, naming you, chastising you, <laughs> all in one word. So yeah, there can't be a slovenly kept uh, physical environment, and you know. So that's that. Then there was, and we're not going to use any names because the the attitude is not restricted to one, even though one dared make it public. And when one makes it public, it makes me wonder how many of how many have the same attitude underneath mm-hmm. about uh, dictating where they were going to go and what they were going to do as it pertains to their placement and treatment. I can't imagine the thought entering my mind to even say words like that Right. when I was in treatment. I'm not going to go to this group, but I'll go to that one. I'm not going to, to go to this. So when I was down in entry and they said, okay, Mr. Roach, you're 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 up tomorrow. You're going up to Swan Lake, and you say, you you know what? I think I'd rather go to Parksville. <laughs> right. They would have been escorting me to my room, packing me bags, and guess what? You're going back to Rochdale. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How do you like that? Exactly. See, there's a treatment program over there. Yeah, we got a better place for you, actually. Now that you mention it. So uh, when 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 someone says, hey. If I'm not if I'm not going to be here, I'm not I'm going to I'm I'm you know I'm I'm leaving. First of all, don't don't ever ever threaten your recovery or use your recovery as a threat. This is your recovery we're talking about. This is your sobriety we're talking about. You're not going to use it as a bargaining chip. If you don't let me do what I want or go where I want, I'm not going to get clean. How do you like those apples? That's basically what the person was saying. Right. 
Yeah, as if somehow that hurts anybody but yourself. Right. Also. So I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. As I wrote in the show description, this attitude, this attitude is not conducive to recovery. But it aims to ridicule it, make fun of it, and then have the nerve to make demands of it. Where is the gratitude? And the reason why I'm emphasizing that is, even though the uh, my co-host and producer is holding firm on his decision to not allow me to play my uh, Affordable Care Act uh, expose. <laughs> We're not ready for that yet. <laughs> I will just touch lightly on how that plays a part in the ignorance, I should say, of people today entering treatment and how the Affordable Care Act impacts their opportunities. Okay, there are not going to be that many opportunities. They're basically giving people one shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're we're choosing to expend one sum of money for you to get an opportunity to get yourself back together, get your life back together, right? Get back on the right track. Because right behind you, there's someone else, and we're not going to keep spending the same dollar over and over and over and over on on you. We're going to continue to spend the dollar, but we're going to spend it on you for a period of time, and we're going to give someone else an opportunity. So, yes, it sounds like assembly line treatment, but that's the nature of the beast. That's the world that we live in. That's today. That's the way it must. Yeah. That's the way it is. You have to respond to it because you can't control you have to, that. Right. And you have to adapt to whatever the environment is. And if that's the environment, that's what you do. So now the key is and the trick is and the, and the job is to – it's always a risk to try and explain to people who are in the recovery mix – the politics that are happening outside the, the of the politics involved and how this thing, how the sausage was it say about politics and how the sausage is actually made behind the scenes. Yeah, I guess yeah, I right. think I've heard that. And so it's better. Ignorance in this case is bliss. Take advantage of the opportunity for, for up treatment, maximize it, steal from it, if you will, as much as you can Stuff your pockets full of it because there may not be another opportunity. It's not like days of yesteryear where you might get a second chance, a second bite of the apple, maybe even a third bite. And some lucky ones got four bites of the apple. You know what? God bless them because that fourth bite is the one that did it for them, the one that where they got it. Right. The light bulb went on, and boom, they were off on their road to recovery. That's right. But the first three times, they didn't get it. But now, 2015, there aren't going to be three times. And if there's going to be three times, you're going to be at the back of the line waiting for that opportunity. And who knows how long that's going to take. Okay. So when, you know, you kind of look at the clients and 
you know, knowing what you know in terms of what is really going on behind the scenes that's kind of creating the treatment uh, availability to in today's world and trying to get the message to them, look, stop wasting time whining, moaning, complaining, and start spending time getting involved in your treatment yeah, and, and, and making it happen. Because by the time you finish whining, moaning, and complaining, it's time to move the buzzer, out. <laughs> the buzzer goes off, the game is over, right. and it's time to go. Right. Because there's somebody else waiting for your bed. Yeah, gone are the days where you could complain for three months and exactly. just stuck on a phase until you got it. Right. And then it phase out 18 months later. No. no you don't, we don't have that anymore. I don't know about other states. And I'm going to just sneak in just a tad more about the ACA, if you don't mind, sir. I, I know you oh, boy. resisted. Yeah. But I, just to make my point, I don't know about the other states, but I presume they, along with California, those states that push for a waiver on the Medicaid funding and how they can use that money more in line with traditional treatment spending methods. We did get that waiver approved in California. But one of the things the feds did, you know, it's like, you know, you know, they give with one hand and take away with another. <laughs> right. So they gave with one hand and took away with the ball. What did they take away with the other hand? They said, we're not going to fund treatment for as long as you have been used to in the past. Right. We're giving you a max of this many days. I'm not going to say what the days are. I'm just going to say they're going to give you a max of this many days. That's all, that's all you can use your Medicaid money for. They're giving you a cap. Right. And so it's unfair. It's not grounded in any empirical studies. It's based purely on economics. We used to ask this question back in the day. Look, do you want quantity or quality? Right. And look, during rough times when money is scarce, their answer was, we want quantity. So as many people as you can get in for this amount of money, you know, that make, you it happen. make it happen. And then, you know, when things became a little less, when money was less pressure, when we weren't in such a bad recession, it became, you know, okay, quality was, became more important. Well, now you have these two kind of colliding where quality is important, but time, and I equate time with quantity, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I take equate time with quality of treatment. Right. Okay, the longer the treatment, the better the outcomes, the better the quality of treatment. That's been proven, empirically studied, no arguments from anybody there. Right. Okay. When quantity comes into the equation, obviously what suffers, quality goes down. Mm -hmm. So now they didn't outright say quantity. They just said we are only going to pay for this amount of time. So that puts pressure on me as a client. Okay. Now when you walk in the door, I'm not going to say, look, you're only getting this much of time, so you better just get down to it, brass taxes right off the bat. Okay. Right. That's not how it works. Someone who's been doing meth, meth for 15 years, they take three months just to, you know, come down yeah, and, and, it all out just, and, and, and get back to some normal sense of sleeping, eating, and, and being. That's why I said this, this had nothing to do with any type of empirical, you know, decision-making, studying and decision-making. So it puts even more pressure on the client, unfortunately, to 
stop BSing around. And this is what's happening right now is BSing around yep. and finding things to punch holes is an old term. Yeah. And moan about, whine about, and so on and so forth. And just and and take you know distract from the task at hand. So the amount of time we spend responding to complaints and and moaning and whining takes away from the amount of time we can spend talking about recovery and how we can get your your mind right. So you get your get your attitude adjusted, adjusted properly, and get your thinking straightened out. Get you practicing new behaviors that maybe you haven't practiced in umpteen years. Uh-huh. You know, all of that has to kind of come and gel together. And when you when you're operating on a short time frame, we don't have time to be playing around with nonsense. Yeah, right. Time is precious. Time is very precious. And so being and being serious about trying to get people to get this recovery thing, it becomes frustrating and the tolerance level is very low for wasting time. Right. Yeah, you can't have a resident go go on a three to five day rant about anything, really, how much this sucks and this program and things that happen. I don't get enough free time yeah. or I only got one hot dog instead of five yesterday. Right, because you know what you just did? You just, like, threw away, like, 5% of your time. Right. Right. You you do that two times over the duration, the best you can get is a B. It's unfair to make a statement of whether or not the clients of today are, I know this might not be a word, I'm just going to say it anyway, lazier, is that a word, than the clients of yesteryear. That would be an unfair statement. But there is no doubt that the clients of today do a lot more complaining. Fair to say they might be more entitled. That's what I mean about that sense of entitlement, Mm -hmm. which I railed on in the last house meeting. Right. And that I think sometimes is at the root, if you will, of the complaint, of the whining, the moaning, and the complaining, or the uh, the not taking serious of this opportunity. Yeah, you've heard me talk about, you know, years ago when there were two thousand people on the waiting list. Yeah, and that people were not figuratively but literally dying to get in. I was blown away by how many people, when I did get in, were homeless on the street before they got in. I couldn't imagine that. So literally, not figuratively, literally them going into treatment saved their life. And and not only their life in the way of getting off drugs, but save their life in the way of not being on the street and exposed to the things that they can be exposed right. to that can endanger their life even more than just being an addict. Yeah. You know what I mean? Literally life and yes. death. It was literally life and death. That's why when someone other, you know, when someone say, you know what, I don't, be, before the second uh, vowel in the word don't, it's 
So that would be the O, the, the first vowel. Before the O came out your mouth, when you said I don't, as soon as that came out your mouth, you were being marched back to your room, escorted by three or four other people to get your suitcases and that they were going to, you know, this was assisted packing. They weren't going to let you take your sweet time packing. They were going to help you pack. And, put, and, they, and they were throwing your stuff in because, you know what? We knew that there was someone out there dying for that spot. For that spot. And so if you weren't ready and you weren't, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I want to be here. Goodness, you were getting the limo ride home. And I say that in jest, of course. Yeah, yeah. It was the bus ticket. Mm-hmm. The New York limo. The New York limo. When the physical environment becomes an afterthought, it then impacts everything else that happens. And so when, as the Monsignor wrote about, when he said, this is the definition of what we call the basics, that's when it's time to get back to the basics. When when we see that the physical, because that's, you know how there are signs of when things are going on, you know, like when there's a storm coming, you see the clouds starting to form. I know we're in California. I'm sorry. We don't see that. So I'm, I'm, I'm just envisioning. Yeah, back I'm envisioning in the day. too. Yeah. So normally there's, you see the storm clouds first. And you might start to feel the sprinkles of rain then before the then before the just the downpour starts, the right? Thunder and the thunder and lightning. Comes. Or or you may hear the thunder far away, you know, before you feel anything yeah. and see anything, right? And so the the physical environment not having its pristine look is a sign for us that something is going astray. That's like our canary in the mind, so to speak, that, hey, what's going on here? Because right. the facility, the living environment is not tight. Right. That's our first way of, excuse me, figuring out that something is, is not right. And so our responsibility as staff is to say, okay, well, what is the not right? You know, it could be a number of things. We don't know, but we know something is not right. Because we see, you know, people aren't taking care of the, the living, you know, the treatment environment. Yeah, there's evidence of it. Right. The last thing we want, well, let me back up. Let me say this first. We know that there is always a constant battle. I'll use the term good and evil, but what I mean is between negative and positive peer pressure. Okay. There's a constant battle going on in the treatment environment. There are those who are in treatment, but not fully vested yet. So let's call that the negative energy. Okay. Okay. So those are people who are more prone to doing things that are counter to creating a positive treatment environment. And then there are people who are vested. And it has nothing to do with length of time, by the way. Oh, no, yeah. People could be fully invested day one. Right. So, So you have those who are vested. Now, I've always said... You have a majority of the people that are vested, then they have the ability to kind of overwhelm those who are not vested and put pressure on them to come onto your side of the fence, okay, and become vested, or 
through natural processes, they get squeezed out. What are those natural processes? Okay. If I'm speaking to you every day about your attitude not changing, if I'm addressing you every day about you not doing your room responsibilities and keeping your making your bed, keeping your personal living area tight, and if you're hearing it every single day, one of two things are going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Either you're going to get sick and tired of me telling you and you're going to change and you're going to start doing it, or you're going to say, F it, and you know, I don't want to be here. I'm, I don't, don't want to be dealing with this nonsense, and you're going to leave. Right. Those are the two options. So the pressure either forces change or it forces you to go somewhere else. Right. Now, isn't that what happens everywhere in, in, in every aspect? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, society yeah, and puts, society puts pressure on you. Your, your immediate family puts pressure on you. So you either conform, change, or disconnect your phone. <laughs> Just unplug <laughs> from society. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, in 2015, that's what you do. You know, you just <laughs> shut it off. Shut yeah. it off. Well, I'm not answering it anymore. <laughs> yep. But back in the day, you didn't have that option. Yeah. No, exactly. That's right. It, and that does happen. And <clears throat> even on micro levels within society, mm-hmm. schools, inside the classroom, and yeah, any kind of group that you're going to join, uh, if you're going to play. Um, organized sports, mm-hmm. uh, anything, any kind of group that you're going to be a part of, a, a group is going to have an established set of rules and guidelines that they expect within that group if you're going to be a part of that group. Right. Whether that be <clears throat> a part of a little rec league basketball team, mm-hmm. or a part of a program, or just living in the United States and being a citizen of the country. Mm-hmm. There are going to be guidelines you need to conform to, and you either conform to them or <laughs> you move out of the country you quit the basketball team, whatever else it's going to be. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think the pressure is a huge thing, specifically in treatment, maybe more so than in some of these other things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you, like you said, you've got people that have already bought in Mm -hmm. to the system and what's going on. And so the pressure is kind of twofold. This person is going to be experiencing pressure because a the person who's bought in would like to see somebody change who's struggling because they were once that person Mm -hmm. but also b because they understand the environment being safe is conducive to what they've bought into and changing ultimately and they're not going to let an individual come in and wreak havoc on the place that they need to be okay mm-hmm. to continue forward with this change that they're making. Mm-hmm. And so that pressure is coming at the individual who is resisting or swe- swimming against the current, so to speak, coming at them from multiple levels, mm-hmm. multiple angles. And yeah, there's only so many times you can be stood up at night and addressed for this booking or pulled up by one of your peers on the side or have um, people confront you in an encounter group mm-hmm. without making a change one way or the other, right. making the change to say, okay, I'm not going to be here anymore or making a change to say, you know what? I do need to do things a little differently. Right. As the way the, the, the peer pressure works, whether it's negative or positive, uh, conforming to either one is not consistent with staying in the environment. 
environment. So even if it's negative peer pressure, so you're in a group that's, you know, they're about negativity or whatever, you can, and if you're not about that, you're not willing to conform to their negative agenda, you cannot stay there. So they're going to force you out in one way, shape, or form. Right. Same applies to the flip side, the the positive peer pressure. Mm -hmm. So it's always our hope that it's more than 51, 49% that it's more like, you know, 75% or 80, 20, you know what I mean? Because then you have larger numbers to apply pressure. When, when we see these signs and these attitudes that creep in, that one of the first things that come to my mind is, okay, where are we at in terms of our pressure counts? Are we on the negative side or on the positive side? If we're on the positive side, is it a close cut? Is it like 51% to 49%? And as a result, since it's that small of a difference, that there's a lot of friction and, and the positive are not enough to sway the negative. So there's a constant battle going on. Right. Okay. And I've seen that 51% depending on their makeup, uh-huh. depending on their nature, Excuse depending me. on what kind of fight they have, what kind of heart they have, either wilt under the pressure and say, there's nothing else we can do. We've tried everything and throw up their hands. Or you might have a 51% that's comprised of people with some heart, some people with some, some go get them, some people with some, I'm not giving up attitude. I'm not allowing this to go down like this. I'm not allowing this to happen in my house. You know, you have people with those kind of attitudes that say, look, we might only be 51%, but we're still the majority and we're going to, we're going to keep at it. And I'm so glad that you brought that point up mm-hmm. because when you were done, I was going to ask, excuse me, I was going to ask you how you felt about the the negative versus the positive or the good versus bad in terms of their strength, mm-hmm. not in numbers, but the way they present. Because I was going to say 5149, but typically, and this is just in my, what I've perceived mm-hmm. in my estimation the negative tend to be stronger than the positive. If mm-hmm. you're looking at one-to-one, mm-hmm. usually the negative person is going to win that battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess because ultimately in this environment, if if there's a negative individual who's just not changing and, and we're talking one-to-one, ultimately the positive person, well, you know what? I got to focus on myself. I can't try, <laughs> you know, I can't try and battle this person anymore mm-hmm. to get them to see what I see mm-hmm. is, as a potential. And so that, that 51 to 49, like you're talking about, like you said, unless their makeup, and that and that's why I'm happy you brought that up, because it actually had me think of a sports analogy. You, you look at um, pitching wins championships or defense wins whatever, mm-hmm. uh, Super Bowls, right? And so if you look at the negative being the pitching, they're on the defensive, mm-hmm. if you will, and the positive being the offensive mm-hmm. because they're the ones trying to enact change mm-hmm. that, you know, if all things it, being it, equal, it, it, they're trying to overcome that seven run <laughs> inning. You just right, gave up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> all things being equal, they're, they're up against it. And, so, and and then a lot of that has to do with when you have an environment like that, part of maybe why you're calling a house meeting is because then staff has to step in yes, and show exactly. their strength to support that 51% to maybe, push them over the edge. Exactly. That's and that is the reason 
that you call the house meeting because you realize that the whatever positive energy that is there that would prevent these type of attitudes and behaviors from taking root. Now, what we want to take root and grow. Yeah, not in that. Not, we don't want that to take root and grow, but it's not enough to prevent it. Then we have to step in or interject ourselves for a moment or two into the TC. Um, if you remember our very first formal show with Dr. David Deitch mm-hmm. and how he stressed the importance of staff not injecting themselves into the TC unless it was absolutely necessary and important to be like a, a corrective measure and then get out of the way. Right, right. Okay. Quick intervention, then get out of the way. Yeah, you got to still let the process take place. Don't pull a coup and and and, and stake and and you know and uh stake a claim and put up put up shop and then and, and yep. you're there forever. Just okay. give a couple quick jabs. Yeah. Quick jab, left hook and then boom, bounce. <laughs> That's it. Um and uh and quell quell the uprising uh from the uh the negative side. And that's our role. A little bit of that has happened. Was it late last week or early this week? Which when, when did it happen? Late last week. Late la- okay, late last week. Um, we're expecting to see a little, some change. I think uh, with my own eyes, I saw some change on. Let's see, what day was it? Monday. Um. Felt some change, so there's a visual. You're looking around to see the, the is, is the physical environment first representing some change, and then you're talking to residents and clients and seeing if attitudes are representing some change. Um, I had lunch yesterday. Well, they were eating lunch. I wasn't eating lunch, but I was sitting with them yesterday, um, <clears throat> and was talking about accepting accepting things going on in the house. Yeah. And one of the things that struck me was that they were talking about how they didn't like certain things that certain residents were doing, okay, and how it bothered them because that's not the type of environment that they want to have treatment in. And I asked him, did you drop a slip? And both said no. Didn't drop a slip. Right. So in essence, all they were doing was complaining to me about something that they disliked, but they weren't taking any personal ownership of it mm-hmm. and, and taking then personal action and using the tools that were available to them to, to correct it. And if the family doesn't do that, if the family doesn't do that, then what we have to do is we have to get out the jumper cables, put it on the family, mm-hmm. crank that engine, and give it a boost, which is what I hope I did yesterday to those two, just specifically individual, by saying, you got to drop slips and confront them in group about their attitudes and about their behavior. And by the way, if you have to do it 150 times, you do it 150 times. 
because right. that lets that person know that I don't care if you do it every day. I'm not going to accept that behavior. I'm not going to set, upset, accept that attitude because if you don't do it, this is what I said to them. Uh-huh. If you don't do that as the clients who live here or as the clients who are accessing this treatment environment, okay, if you allow it to happen, you allow it to go on, then what you're saying is this is the type of environment that I want. Right. That's what the action says. Yes. And the action is what you have to look at. Right. We need some I, – I, I hate to keep hearkening back, but – we need some some of that dog from the from the from back in the day that even when it was three against three to one, you know that one person was like dropping seventy five having that everybody having that everybody saying <laughs> right. this is, it was not going down like this. That's what we need that type of attitude, which brings me to another question, and I know we're going past our our, our first hour, but this is important. Times wonder by myself when I'm thinking about this whole treatment thing. Mm-hmm. Is there something w- with the drugs that's contributing to this? Not the drugs, the drugs, but the drugs of today. Right, right, right. You know, the, and, or the choices of drugs of today. Because, again, today I was sitting with a client and I was hearing some good things from the client in terms of them wanting to change their life and so on and so forth. And, you know, I always get around to asking, you know, what kind of drugs did you do, et cetera. And I was just taken aback by the, when I asked the client what kind of drugs they did, and the client said, Xanax. I was, it just caught me off guard. Right. I'm right. waiting to hear cocaine, meth, heroin, you know, crack. I'm, you know, all the, all the, the old, the good oldies. Right. You know what I mean? No, we're in the prescription age, my and friend. And he says Xanax. I'm, I, I was just taken aback. I'm like, I wonder if this, because, you know, they prescribe Xanax for what? Anxiety, depression, yeah. smoking, this, that. I mean, 150 different things, right? Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said, you, 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 you kind of shocked me because I would have never thought 20 years ago that someone would be sitting next to me and saying that they're using a drug as prescribed specifically for certain things to kind of help people. Right. And instead, someone's using it to get high. Mm-hmm. And that's the drug they end up getting addicted to, to get high. When it was prescribed for to help you quit smoking or right. to help you with anxiety, to help you with depression, whatever they right. use Xanax for. So it's like, it just kind of hit me again. I was like, wow, this is, we're in a different time. It's a new age. It's a new age. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The other thing I wanted to say um, in the TC, there's two types of meetings. Like what we're doing today, we do the house meeting. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the general meeting. Right. And the house meeting we do when there's an overall attitude permeating throughout the entire house. Right. And everybody in a seat is basically being addressed. Yes. And and plays some role either in not addressing it themselves, not that they might be directly like a part of it in terms of action, but maybe they're in action. Right. So everybody somehow, some way, the message being delivered touches everyone that's in a seat. Exactly. Right. 
And then we have the general meeting, which is if there's one, two, or three specific people that are really dominating the uh, – We got a Ray Lewis out there. The, dominating the agenda, okay, in the <laughs> right. house negatively that right. need to be called out on the carpet publicly. Uh, and and addressed and uh, but not only not by staff specifically only we convene it, but it's the opportunity for the family to publicly address them and obtain some you know some give backs. Uh-huh. Like what are you going to be doing differently from this moment moving forward? Because what you've been doing we can't accept. That's the difference with the general meeting. House meeting we do the talking because we're doing the the teaching, the disciplining, et cetera, Mm -hmm. the general meeting, the family does the talking to whoever it is that's causing the the problems. Right. Okay, I think I've uh, excommunicated it from my spirit. Okay. My frustration. Well, I think it's been... It's been well delivered, and, and we always and, and we always like to close the summer as we enter the fall and the holiday seasons with a house meeting. That's right. Keep it fresh going into the holidays. Well, I think your your point was well delivered. Um, I think it's it's heard loud and clear, and the importance of it is is evident. Um, we can all get stuck in routine. Mm-hmm. We can all get stuck in monotony, and every once in a while, you need a little shake, shake up. up to yep. hey. You know, we gotta rewind, get back, get, get back. back on it. Or and using Munson's words, get back to the basics. Back to the basics. That's right. That's right. Well, well said. Well done. Are we uh, are we set for a quick commercial, or you just don't want to talk about this topic anymore? We're gonna close it and, and move on to the next. We can we can we can uh, take a take our break and uh, get prepare ourselves for our recovery support time, but uh, I can't promise you anything. All right. Perfect. Well, we do see a bunch of folks on hold. We appreciate you for being so patient. We are going to take a a commercial break and then we're going to get into our recovery support time on the other side. So thank you all for uh, sticking with us.
The Latino Commission Drug and Alcohol Treatment Services in South San Francisco was organized and incorporated in early 1991 and going on 22 years of providing services to our community. The Latino Commission, also known as TLC, would like to offer our services to those struggling with a substance use disorder. We have residential facilities for men, women, mothers and children, outpatient programs, transitional and SLE homes to assist and promote a successful recovery for individuals. We at the Latino Commission provide educational services on self-esteem, assertiveness, life management, coping skills, anger management, limits and boundaries, and other various subjects. The Latino Commission, restoring people holistically in an environment of love and understanding that represents our culture, improving quality of life. The Children's Health Council in Palo Alto has been serving children, youth, and teens in San Mateo and Santa Clara counties, as well as the greater San Francisco Bay Area, for over 60 years. The goal of the agency is to remove barriers to learning, regardless of language, location, learning style, or ability to pay. At CHC, we specialize in ADHD, learning differences, anxiety and depression, and autism through our center, two schools, and community clinic. No matter how big or small the issue is, just call us, and we'll help you navigate your child's journey together. Visit our website at www.chconline.org, or call us at area code 650-688-3625. Again, that's area code 650-688-3625. At CHC, we're here for you. And CHC, estamos aquí para usted. Roach on Recovery is a program of OCG Radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment, and recovery. Our recovery support time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment or recovery. You can reach our host live by calling 646-564-9909. That's 646-564-9909. Or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com. That's ocgworkca at gmail.com. And our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery. Recovery support time. A time for us to help you.
Okay, welcome back to Roadshow Recovery. That was a long break. Nice long break. We got a couple PSAs, some some more shout outs, con, uh, continuing the trend from earlier on in the show. Oh, to our local providers, other folks in the Bay Area. Absolutely. Um, there's going to be some. Let's see, what kind of a tease can I give? Some some good stuff to talk about next week in terms of local news. Let's just put it that way. It's a good tease right there. Yeah. And I'm already excited I'm going to get to play my Inside the News clip because I don't get to play that nearly enough. Yes, some good some good local, local news. All right, uh, should we go to the phones? Let's do it. We got a couple on hold. All right, let's go to uh, who we got first here. The holding a while. Mary from San Francisco. Mary, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm fine. I just have a question. You know, I'm really serious about staying clean, and I want to know what things I should implement in my life that are going to be essential to my sobriety when I leave the program. Um, Well, we know um, persons, places, and things. Yes. Right, so we want to e- evaluate uh, who needs to be in my life, who doesn't need to be in my life that I have control over. So you know, you don't have control over your relatives and your immediate family and people like that. So you have to learn to deal with those, but you do have control over your friends. Who you know, you you get to pick and choose that. Yeah. So who's going to be good for me? Who's not going to be good for me? And and these are I call these like grown-up decisions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who am I going to have to limit my exposure to? Meaning I I may not have to cut them off, but you know what? I may have to limit my exposure to them instead of it might now it might now have to be high and by rather than us hanging hanging out together. Okay. So these are some of the decisions that you have to make. Um places are there places where if I don't need to go there, I don't go there? Mm-hmm. If you what have about to your go house? there, mm-hmm. uh, so just getting there. If you have to go there, then you have to develop the ability to just deal with whatever the environment is. So okay. you gave a you gave a perfect example. Well, what if my house is kind of got negativity going on there? Mm-hmm. What if there's some people in my house who live there who might use or do, or involved in things that you know what I don't want nothing to do with that stuff, okay? But this is where I live. This is where I lay my head at night, and until things change, I got to be able to you know this is where I'm at. Well, you walking out the door. My goal for you is that you're able to deal with whatever environment it is that you live in. Okay. It's not going to change. Or dictate what you do. Mm-hmm. You're going to be aware of it. You're going to know what's going on. And you're just going to keep on stepping. Keep on doing what you got to do. It's not going to slow you down. It's not going to get in your way. It's not going to do anything unless you allow it to. Okay. Okay. That's all I have. I'm just making sure. I just want to make sure everything that I take care of or that I can work on everything while I'm here to make sure it's going to be okay for me as much as I can when I get out of here. Now, I do have, if you're on the tail end of your treatment experience, 
and you're getting ready to now go out there and put everything you've learned into action, I do have one piece of advice for you. Yes, sir. Do not focus on being perfect. Okay. There's no such thing. And a lot of people get tripped up trying to be perfect in recovery. Okay. okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. You have a nice day. You too. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. 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 We've talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, and I think you gave some good um, – Kind of like the parameters and the mm-hmm. guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, I might add if she's talking about what I believe her question was, what things should I incorporate mm-hmm. into my life to make sure, and you know, maybe throw a couple unwritten philosophies out there. Remember to, you know, be honest or, you know, incorporate these kinds of values in addition to the logistical things, which, which you spoke of, which are huge. Too. Don't throw them out there then if I'm, if I'm missing the question. All right, but I think it was a great answer anyway. So I think especially – We have a co-host. If she's nearing the tail end, then some of those basics, like those things, have been ingrained already. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to talk about the stuff that you're now going to encounter mm-hmm. outside. You've already got the unwritten with you or some sort of values that whatever program you're in has instilled in you. Now we're talking about real-life things. Right. And, that, and that's what you spoke to. So yep. that's, that's why I didn't say anything. All right. So you say. <laughs> so I claim. <laughs> All right, let's go to Susanna from Ukiah. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I had a quick question. Um, so uh, my last relationship ended a few years ago. We've been out of communication since. And um, I think it's critical uh, in this phase of my treatment to make amends. And I've been drafting a handwritten letter, but um an opportunity has arisen to possibly meet them, you know, face-to-face for a cup of coffee or something like that, which uh, I've been told is probably preferable to a letter. And I was curious as if there were any um, topics to avoid or anything I should leave out of the discussion when I go to make amends to the person. Uh, I, as the co-host, I might intervene briefly here before the host uh, blesses you and graces you with his knowledge. Uh, unfortunately, when you do something in person and not in a letter, you cannot control what is going to happen. There are things that you may not be able to leave out of the discussion because although you don't intend to bring them up, they may be brought up by this party that you're planning on having this discussion with. So when you're in person, there is far less control over what is discussed in the environment versus in a letter where you can say everything you need to say, you can leave out whatever it is you choose to leave out, and that will be the message delivered. In person, like I said, you may go in with a game plan to, ooh, I'm not going to touch on this particular subject, but you then have to be prepared for if the other party brings up that subject, how you're planning on responding, you don't put yourself in that kind of a situation when it comes to a letter. It's just my two cents. We'll we'll let the host pick up from there. <laughs> well, my first question is: Is this um, a former uh, romantic interest? Correct. And is there any discussion, thought process from either side? I don't know if you've spoken to this person already or not. Of 
a rekindling? There is not, and we actually have not even spoken. Uh, I just okay. sent a letter. Um, okay. But no, that is not of my on my agenda. Do you know if it's on the other party's agenda? I do not believe so. I think I believe that they have clearly moved on. Okay. And have you clearly moved on? Yes. Okay. So this is just a a process thing for you. Yes. And the other party has agreed to help facilitate this process by making themselves available. Correct. Okay. If uh, how long were you two uh, romantically involved? Five years. Okay, that's a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any uh, traumatic experiences in, during that time? I'm, ge- um, I'm getting to a point. That's why I'm asking these questions. <laughs> um, n- no, not in t- regards okay. to violence or anything like that. No. Okay. All right. Um. In context, I agree with what my co-host said. If I had a choice between the two, I would choose writing a letter. But let's say that mm-hmm. that's, you know, you're gonna you're gonna take them up on the offer of meeting face to face for a cup of coffee, what have you. So mm-hmm. now you know walking in, the uncontrollables, versus the controllables. Mm. Okay? okay. Are you prepared? Here's another question. Are you prepared for the old okie doke? <laughs> you know what the okie doke is in this context? No, I, d- I don't know if I think the same thing you are. Okay, so here's the old okie doke. <laughs> See, we got we got to school her a little bit. The fumble rooski. Here's the okie doke. See, the okie doke is giving you one impression over here, okay? And then when I get in person with you, my agenda is has is actually different. So if I okay. so if I could only get her in person then I could, you know, really say or do not do, but you know, get across what I really want to get across. Okay. So which brings me back to how do you know if he has a hundred percent definitively moved on and onwards past this relationship? Um I, I believe that they're married. Oh, he's but. married. Yeah. Not that that means anything in the U.S. That doesn't mean anything in the real world, correct. Okay. All right, so let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he's true to his intentions and is just making himself available for you to facilitate your process. Let's just go with that. Okay. Okay. So you know the uncontrollables, you know the controllables, you got to know that walking in the door. Okay, and since you know the person because you were previously involved with them, you 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 know what what the what's coming at you in terms of their personality and all that stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. you should be able to prepare better than someone who doesn't know what's coming at them and or the type of person that's coming at them. Okay, mm-hmm. and and since there's no chance of an okie doke being pulled, and you don't have to worry about that, <laughs> then then. You can actually assume more control over and accomplish what your goals are in this little get together. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there are pros, there are cons. I agree 100% with my co-host what the cons are. There are some pros though with the face-to-face. Um, you just have to be real, you know, about what your expectations are 
uh, what your goals are, what you want to accomplish, and then stick to it. Don't get okay. sidetracked. Okay. Okay. That goes for both of you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That sounds perfect. Okay. And, All right. And thank you so much. Way, yeah. By the way, you know, we are a little bit nosy on Rerochon Recovery, so we would be interested in knowing how it, how it goes. I, I will definitely make a note of that. All right. <laughs> thank you so much thank for you. your time. You're okay. welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'd still go for the letter. I'm a letter guy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I do agree. You, you can stick it in the post box and run. Yeah, <laughs> there, there are definitely, there are definitely <laughs> pros and cons to both. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe that for this type of situation, the pros outweigh the cons with the letters. Mm-hmm. But there is still something to be said about face-to-face closure, mm-hmm. uh, especially per individual, how it may make you feel if you've done what you needed to do in person versus having written it. You know, oh, you know what? We forgot. I would have been uh, great to uh, to advise her on, to caution her on, that could throw this in-person thing off kilter. Huh. If he brings the spouse, oh, yeah, maybe because she's an unknown. See, he's a known. She knows what he presents in terms of his personality and so on. Right, 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 right. Where does she stand with this? Is she okay with this face to face for the purposes of this facilitating these amends and I things see. of that nature, or is she thinking, wait a second now? She trying to worm her way back into the heart, you know, type I'm of I'm gonna make him an offer, can <laughs> Right, 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 exactly. So I wish I, I didn't think about it then, but it's she's an unknown. She is. She's it, the X Factor. X Factor, especially if she shows up. Right. You know, because then will you be able to be as forthcoming in terms of what you want to accomplish right. with her sitting there giving you the steely eyes? Right. And then having to mentally edit what you say before you say yeah. it. You don't really feel like you got out what you needed to get out. Right, because right. yeah, no, you don't want to offend. You don't want right. to give you know give the wrong impression and all that stuff. Right. All right. All right. All right, let's go to uh, Omar from San Francisco. Omar, welcome to the right, show. How are you guys doing? Good. Omar, can you, hold on, can you hold on one second? Sure. Are you a giant fan? What 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 baseball team do you root for? I go for the Yankees. Oh! Hey, don't get me wrong. I like the Giants and I like the Niners because I am from San Francisco, born and raised. But um, I tend to always go against the Bay Area teams because everywhere I go, um, everybody's rooting for that team, and I just tend to go for the opposite. But I am a Yankee. That's the co-host flushing you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because you said because you said the Yankees. All right, how can we help you, sir? Okay, I have a question for you guys. I've been trying to get an answer. It seems that nobody has an answer for me. Um, why does it take so long to ejaculate when I'm under the when I'm under any mood altering substance? Thanks. <laughs> Oh goodness. 
Well, we are not doctors, so I really can't. We really can't answer that. We don't. We don't know what's physiologically and biologically happening within the body that okay. would cause that when you're under the influence when you're using drugs. But, su- but suffice it to say, the body doesn't act the way it normally should when you're under the influence. Good, right. bad, or ugly. I mean, that's the only answer I can give you. But a doctor should be able to answer that question. We can't answer that. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I, I, will, I will say that that question will go down as probably one of the most interesting questions we've been asked. Okay. It's, it's, I've just been trying to look for an answer, and I haven't seen the doctor lately, so I thought I'd ask maybe the expert. But let me ask, all right, well, let, let me ask you this. Why is that important to you at this point? It's not. I'm just curious if if it'll be the same, if I'll have the same sex drive. I was just out of curiosity, just wanted to know. What drugs were you using out there? Opiates. Okay, and you're and you're off of them? I'm off them now, and I was okay. wondering well, if my sex drive how, will be the same. How old are you? 28. You'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fine. Okay. If you were 98, I would say, hey, you're slowing down. Yeah. Temper your expectations, but you'll be fine. Okay. Um, yeah, all right. Sounds like a all right. Keep rooting for those Yankees. Yeah, I sure am. I'm, I'm a Philly right. fan, too, so. Oh, my goodness. You know, the more you're talking, you're making it worse. <laughs> okay. How could, you, how, could you be oh. a Philly, how could you be a Philly fan and also a Yankee fan? Who am I, I to talk, I like, by the way? Well, I'm 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 off structure with with my sports. I'm a New York Yankee fan, baseball team. I root for the Philadelphia Eagles in NFL, and I go for Cleveland Cavaliers in NBA. Yeah. Thank you for the question. <laughs> you're you're a, you're a sports gypsy. Sports gypsy. Yes. Hmm. I haven't heard that one before. Yes. All right, Omar. Thank you very much right. for the call. No problem. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, we have opened ourselves up by starting this show, trying to offer yes. advice on recovery-related topics. Yeah, and those are loosely related. I mean, some are – Yeah. Some we've been getting are more medical in nature, Mm -hmm. but there is a strong correlation between the two, the medical field and what we do. And the the line is fuzzy for some people. They're not sure whether to get that advice from a counselor or doctor. I think the question remains, though, are are we in line at any point in the near future for getting our honorary doctorates from uh, Stanford? Right. Yeah. No, I think we should definitely be close. And in the interim, we're completely okay to give out medical advice because we do have a disclaimer, I believe, uh, before and after the show. That says don't listen to anything that we say having to do with medical. Exactly. We can say whatever we want. Plus, we both stayed in the Holiday Inn last night. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Yes. To, uh, let's see, who do we got up next? We got Carlos from San Bruno. Carlos, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. Speak up, sir, so we can hear you. Uh, Thank you. How are you doing? Much better, much better. How can we help you? 
Um, yeah, I just had a question. Do uh, most drug addicts that use IV drugs die from hepatitis or die more from hepatitis or AIDS? Mm. What do you think, co-host? I didn't hear the, I the, think the question exactly. Were you asking do... Mortality rate here? Yeah. Were you asking do more die from hepatitis versus uh, AIDS? Yes. Oh, so we're talking about just those two specific terminal diseases. Yeah. Is hep C yeah. more prevalent or HIV more prevalent with IV drug users? Was that what you were asking? Yeah. Okay. No, I <clears throat> excuse me. I haven't read any literature that states the statistics being one of those greater than the other. Uh but that's maybe the host has more info on that. Hep C by a wide wide margin, okay. especially today. Back in the day, um well, actually back in the day it was probably the same thing, but the thing is a lot of people don't find out they have hep C until the years down the line. Okay. Whereas now there's more testing and so on and so forth, but back in the day there wasn't. People were testing for HIV, you know, back then. But I think in so, and that's awesome information, but pertaining to his question, if he's asking of the two, which one are you more li- Oh, okay, more likely to die from? And, and so maybe I think now, especially today, where there's been – Pretty groundbreaking research in treating and and recovering from hep C. Uh, Not so much the same with AIDS, that you're you're probably going to see more death as a result of AIDS than hep C in IV drug users. Okay, but uh, Carlos, I'm going to ask you a technical question here. Do you mean HIV or do you mean AIDS because they're two separate things? True. No, I mean HIV and AIDS. Okay, well... For HIV, people are living much longer, and the mortality rates have dropped significantly, even though more people are becoming HIV positive because of bad uh, practices, IV drug use and, you know, not using safe sex practices. But the, as with hep C, they've come a long way medically in terms of treating the, uh, the virus. Right. But, uh, Full-blown AIDS is a different, a different yeah, story. It's a totally different story. Once you get full-blown AIDS, your mortality is extremely high compared to someone who has hep C. They might, someone who has hep C that maybe hasn't been treated and so it's gotten to a stage where nothing's going to work for it, that person can still live 10 years, 15 years. I'm curious. Why do you ask? It's a very um, interesting question. Uh, personal issue. Uh, okay. This question. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people with HIV and AIDS, and a lot of people have hepatitis. So I, I just want to know which, you know, statistics like which ones uh, are more likely to die when using drugs. A lot of lot of variables involved in that. Uh, you know your genetics, hereditary things. Uh, what what kind of health care is the person getting? What kind of lifestyle is the person living? All those things come into play to determine, you know, how someone's going to live if they have hepatitis C or if they have HIV and are able to prevent it from getting to 
full-blown AIDS. So a lot of variables involved. But that's a great question, though. Yeah. So now you're going to force me to go do some homework. <laughs> Don't be calling up with homework questions for me. We're supposed to be giving you homework questions. <laughs> I'm going to do homework on, on it, too. All right. Good stuff. All right. Thank you. All right, Carlos. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. I think after answering that question, we've got Stanford on the line, and those degrees are in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Unsigned and uns- un- no, no official seal on them. Right. All right, let's go to uh, Jose from the great city of uh, San Carlos. I know you're from San Francisco. I'm just joking. Okay. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Good. Okay. How can we help you, sir? Okay, I need the help, you know, because I I drinking a lot, you know. That's uh, about I start for when I was 12 years old, you know. But now I have a program. I help me a lot, you know. Jose, can you speak up a little bit into the phone? Yeah, I speak a lot. Okay. No, speak louder. Oh, louder. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm Jose from, from San Francisco. Okay, good. Much better. Okay. Uh, I need help, you know, because uh, I drink a lot every single day. Now, I ended up in the one program, the school program. He gave me a lot of information. Uh, also, does uh, have a lot of friends for the for the same way, you know, for the a lot of alcoholics. Uh, I need more information about those. Oh, hold on one second. So, Jose, so, and and I just want to make sure I'm clear here and so our our listeners can be clear here too because we can move to Spanish if need be, but we'd like to keep it in English. Um, It sounds like your problem is that you cannot stop drinking. Is that what you're saying? Yes, right. Yeah, you're drinking every day, and it sounds like you have either been to a program or are currently in a program that you say is giving you good information. Yes. Um, and you've got a good group of friends who are supportive of you in your quest to stop drinking. Um, yeah, but for whatever reason... Yeah, sponsor, but for whatever reason, with this support, you still can't stop drinking. Am I correct in assuming that? Yes. And you are looking for more information about things you can do to help you stop. That's right. So <clears throat> what I might um, what I might advise is that it sounds like you're in a good place if you're in a program. So that that's somewhere you need to be or somewhere – you should desire to be because they're going to continue to give you good information and help you through this struggle. Um, In addition, uh, the program that you're in does not necessarily need to be the only tool uh, for you to utilize or at your disposal. Um, I would also advise going to AA meetings. Um, If you go to AA meeting, you said you have a sponsor. No, I need it. Need a sponsor. Okay. Yes, does yes, the, yes, yes. Does the program because, that you're current? Uh-huh. 
Go ahead. Because I don't understand for the step, you know, for the for the big bull that was a step for the Alcoholicos Anonymous. I don't understand those, you know. And if somebody yeah, else, okay. Yeah, but 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 I understand. But having a sponsor with you side by side could help you break down the steps so you have a better understanding of what they mean. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Does the program that you're currently in offer AA or NA services? They both. They don't pass. But this program, I have only uh, two days. You know, I want uh, that's possible. More? Yeah, yes, more, more. Right. So um, I'm not I'm not exactly sure how the structure of your program works, but I don't see too big of an issue. I don't believe in any program out there um, from a client getting more and more support. The more support, the better. So if that means that you speak to whomever you need to speak to in the program, um, your case manager or whoever makes those kinds of decisions, you explain okay. to them that you believe you're getting good information in the program. But you would like to understand the steps, and in order to do so, you need a sponsor. Perhaps that person or those persons can help arrange that so you can begin the search for a sponsor, maybe go to an outside meeting, and then have a sponsor work with you um, as it pertains to understanding the steps. Uh, So that can be another kind of tool in your belt, because if if you work the steps and you have someone there to explain them to you so you can understand them clearly, then you can use that in addition to whatever the program is giving to you. And the more weapons you have at your disposal to to battle this this struggle that you're going through, the better odds you're going to have of succeeding. So I would... um, I guess my bottom line suggestion is to speak to whomever your case manager is and explain to them just what you explained to us on the show. It sounds okay. like you have a desire to stop drinking. Otherwise, you wouldn't have called in. But you're having a hard time doing that, and you believe the steps will help, and you are searching for a sponsor. And how can they help you facilitate that search? Okay. Okay. Does that yeah, sound good? I want, you know, because, yeah, that sounds good because this is, uh, I want to stop those because uh, uh, I lost a lot, you know, that's uh I can sleep very good, you know. Uh, one, right. I sleep very good because I'm, I was drunk, you know. That's that, that's yeah, drink a lot, you know. Right. That's why I want to stop now. Right. Well, I mean, and that's it's a good desire to have it. That is where it begins. The the idea that you are, it sounds like you're kind of sick and tired of it. Um, And it's having negative ramifications on aspects of your life. And so you are ready to change. And um, in that change, in support of that change, a sponsor should be able to help you out. And so, yeah, I would recommend you talk to somebody who can help facilitate your search for a sponsor. And and don't give up. Don't quit. Keep your head up. I know it's tough. I think you're doing a great job just by calling in because you haven't yet given up that means. And so I would say continue to fight and hopefully you find a sponsor sooner than later who can help you understand the steps. So ultimately we can get your life exactly where you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. This is I want, you know. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for calling uh, Jose. We wish you luck on your journey. Thank you, Jose. Okay. Bye-bye. Thought we was going to have to go Espanol on him. I was about to go Espanol on him, but I know we do have 
a listening audience that we would like to have them understand what's mm-hmm. happening too. And if we needed to, we could have, but uh, well, I would sounds have, like he got uh, it. I, I would have interpreted it, you know, just yeah. four, the four or five words that I know. I El Nino being the Nino? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, do we have time for some X-Files? We have time for perhaps an X-File, depending upon how long-winded you'd like to be in answering the question. We always have time for the clip, though. Yeah, I know. That took about 30 seconds of my time. <laughs> um, Sebastian, why do you think alcohol was legal? And do you think we should bring back prohibition? <laughs> wow. All right. I like that question. He's a... Uh... There was a time where others felt the same way and and acted upon it. People in power, that is. Well, prohibition didn't make a difference. It just drove an underground. Right. Um, so actually made alcohol more valuable. Yeah, increased the value of it, and it was always legal. It then became prohibited, and then that amendment was. Ratified, you know, um, repealed. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm not sure what made them decide to some more homework again. Uh, what made them decide to enact that amendment? I don't know. I don't remember the, the amendment. I'll have to. I used to know the amendment right off the tip of my tongue, but it's in the 20s, no? I, I, I'm thinking 22nd. Yeah, and it was the 23rd 22nd, repealed 23rd, it, and the 23rd repealed it. But uh, I could be wrong. No, I believe um, that's accurate. I, um, I think they actually, uh, and I'd have to do the homework too. But something in the ruling to repeal it had to do with it in and of itself was unconstitutional because it it basically was in uh, direct conflict with one of the beginning amendments. Um, if I believe, if I remember correctly. That's why it was repealed. It ended up being repealed because it was proved to be unconstitutional in and of itself. Uh, and then I would also say, follow the money. Taxes on that. Glorious taxes. The government gets well, they, a nice chunk of change they, from that. There you go. That's all you need to know. That's why prohibition won't be coming back for that. Known as the excise tax. Exactly. For those of you economic lovers out there. Not only that, the the one tax in, that was in the Constitution by which the government was supposed to use to fund itself. Right. Right. The excise tax, more commonly known on the streets as the sin tax. Mm-hmm. Same tax that goes in for gasoline and cigarettes. All right. If we got enough time, uh, real quick, uh, let's just close on this, this, this spectacular question. There's some. This is from John. There's some programs that promote relationships with, within treatment and others that don't. Which do you think is safer in the long run? First now, and foremost, I would like evidence of names and addresses of the programs that do promote relationships let me just, within let me, the treatment setting. Let me just setting. put it in context. Again, they didn't no, – let me just say they didn't put it in context of where they were talking about relationships with other people outside of treatment while they're in treatment or – relationships with other people in treatment. The way it sounded to me was relationships with others that they were in treatment with. Then if that's the case, yes, I'm, I like you would like to see. Yeah, you know, I don't believe that. I'd like to see names and places. 
Right. Of where that occurs or where that's promoted is that his word. Right. Promote. Better yet, promoted. So to answer his, his question, which do you think is safe in the long run? Certainly not the promotion of relationships in treatment. We spoke on that ad nauseum. And we'll continue to do so. Right. No matter how much how much it caused the co-host to get sick and have to lay in the bed with a, with his covers pulled up to his nose and the thermometer hanging out the side of his mouth. Yes, exactly, exactly. What, what was it? Uh, how long did it take your wife to say, you know, you know, enough of this nonsense? Just get up and get at it already. Uh, not too long. In fact, I believe she was asking me to do things the day I was actually getting sick. So it doesn't take too long to have the authority in my household uh, rain down uh, sickness or health. Hey, no arguments. Beautiful. Women, women can do it nine months pregnant. That's true. That's very true. Um, which, I'm, I'm which, cut- mean, which means nothing to me. <laughs> I'm sick. I'm sick. <laughs> That's it. All right, perfect. Well, I'm going to cut you off at this point, but I would like to thank everybody who called in to ask questions or who called in just to listen, all of the support that we've been getting, which continues to grow. We're very appreciative of it and very grateful for it. We hope you all enjoyed the show today. Uh, We wish everybody a safe rest of the week, a fun and safe weekend, and we will be back next Tuesday to talk to you all then. So thank you so much.
That's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Until then, baby, are you gonna let you know, you know, if you change, things are going